Welcome back to Building Billions. This is an exciting episode because I got to spend 45 minutes talking with JLD. That's what he goes by, JLD. But full name is John Lee Dumas. He is a podcast OG. For those of you who don't know what an OG is, he's an original gangster in the podcast space. He started over a decade ago making daily content and to date has over 4,000 interviews under his belt with entrepreneurs who have created massive success. And his total listens is over 140 million. He's averaging about 2 million a month in podcast views, listens alone. One of the other really cool things that I love about his content and what he's teaching people is financial freedom. Not enough people are talking about money. That is why I created Building Billions. I want to make and normalize this money conversation uh, and, and make it more prevalent and really get into the depths of, okay, what is financial freedom and why is this important and how can people have this, which was a main topic of today's episode. So give this a listen. If you don't know who JLD is, you should also check out his podcast because this man is full of incredible insights and wisdom around how to get started, how to be a beginner and become an expert in something and what it really takes to be successful. So let's dive in. I am excited to do this interview because you're good with talking about money. And I think people need to be around more people who are willing to talk about money. I hear that one of your things is sharing the amount of money that your business is making. So we're going to dive into all sorts of things. But first, welcome to the Building Billions podcast. And thank you for being here. I'm fired up to be here. We're going to have a great conversation about a lot of really important things, definitely money being foremost. So one of the tenets of your build of your business is talking about financial freedom. What do you define as financial freedom? To me, financial freedom is you get to wake up in the morning and not do nothing. Because nobody that's really acquired financial freedom wants to sit on a beach and sip some coconut and you know, lay in a hammock and nap all day. That's just not the type of person that becomes financially free. What I say is I wake up every morning, I'm financially free because I get to do exactly what I want to do. My calendar says all the things that I want it to say. And I get to spend days with people like yourself having great conversations. I have been interviewing people for a decade right now. I've interviewed over 4,000 inspiring, successful entrepreneurs. And people say, John, you've been doing this for 10 years. When is enough enough? And I say, never, because this is what I love doing. I love having wonderful, smart, intelligent, intriguing, interesting conversations with brilliant, smart, successful people. Why would I ever want to stop doing that? And people that don't get it, I say, you should probably stop listening to my podcast because you're wasting your time. How do you implement all of it or pieces of it without being so overwhelmed at 4,000 conversations. There has to be a variety of different viewpoints that you get from people. And I would think that that would actually be a very difficult thing in the position that you're in with having amazing conversations all the time. It's shocking how, when you boil it down, how few things people are actually doing to achieve success. I mean, so few things. 
there's just not that many different unique ideas or concepts or strategies or tactics. It's just that people are doing it in this world that's full of abundance. So of course they're having success, you're having success, we're having success because there's so much opportunity and amazingness in this world. And, you know, in fact, that was kind of the inspiration for me. Uh, two years ago, I, I finally like kind of broke down and wrote my first traditionally published book because when people were asking me this question fairly often, I was like, well, let me boil it down because is it really that many things? And it really, Natalie, came down to 17 core concepts. I actually says it's uh, kind of put it in the way of like 17 steps to financial freedom and fulfillment. Like that's literally the tagline of the book, 17 steps to financial freedom and fulfillment. And every one of those chapters is just literally one step in that journey that's one of those 17 core concepts and core principles that the 4,000 people that I've interviewed over a decade, that's the journey that they took as well. It might be in a different niche, in a different industry. They might do it on a different size. They might do it in a different way, shape, or form. But at the end of the day, these are the steps they're taking. This is the journey that they're on. It's 17 core concepts. So as we were talking about a little bit before we started filming, uh, one of the things that our business owners that we work with are really struggling with is figuring out how to create content while being a business owner in, let's say, the home services space or they're running an agency. And so when you think about the fact that you created a piece of content where you boil down thousands of conversations into 17 steps, how did you overcome your own fear around, well, what if they're, what if I find out that there's 19 steps or what if I miss the 18th step and now I put this book out there and it's 17 steps and just kind of the, the mentality around being able to put out content that says, Hey, I'm saying that this there's 17 and I'm publishing a book around it. I think at one stage in most every entrepreneur's life, they look in the mirror and they say, gosh, darn it. Like I'm a perfectionist. Like I am just a perfectionist. I want everything to be perfect. And then they realize the second thing, which I'm pretty fortunate that I feel like I realized this years and years ago, that being a perfectionist is another word for being a coward. Like you're using the word perfection because you're going to say, hey, I'm going to hide behind this rock and not do something because it's not perfect yet. So I'm not going to release my content to the world. I'm not going to release my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, my thoughts, my tactics, my strategies to the world because I'm a perfectionist. Until, th until this is perfect, I'm not going to launch. Well, you're not perfect you're a coward. And that's what you're hiding behind. And I'm saying it to myself, looking in the mirror. I'm saying it to every other entrepreneur who has ever used those words, perfectionism. And so that's kind of a, a longer way of answering your question of, I don't care if there's an 18th or 19th step that comes along at some point, because I did the best that I could with the content and the knowledge I had at that time. And that is the book that I was able to put out in 2021. If I could redo it in 2025, would things be different? most likely. And guess what? Maybe I'll put another book out then. Maybe I won't, but I will be very proud of what I created at that moment in time. It's helped a lot of people. And I think people need to release that worry of it not being perfect. Recognize, don't be a coward. Get out there and impact the world. I love that because being a coward really does, I mean, it stops people. It entirely stops them in their tracks. And I think oftentimes they don't even realize that they have all of this knowledge and then they could be of help 
And instead of stepping into the help that is in the small things that they do every single day, all of a sudden it's like, well, I, who am I to say this when there's this home services business down the street and maybe they're doing this other way and insecurity and self-doubt and all of that comes in. So it sounds like you didn't struggle too much with it from what you said, but have you had those issues of, you know, the imposter syndrome and comparing yourself to everybody else who's creating content? And if you have, how did you go through the process of really getting over that and still creating something that really has had remarkable results? The answer is yes. And the why behind that is because I am a human being and every single human being who has ever taken a breath on this earth has had doubts, has had fears, has had anxiety and stress and felt the imposter syndrome in some way, shape or form. So pat yourself on the back when you have those feelings and say, guess what? I'm a human being and every human being that has ever walked this earth has had those thoughts. So it's not like you're going to ever escape them. It's the individuals like yourself, like Jeremy, like Grant, like me, who have been able to embrace those fears and those doubts, rise above them and continue moving forward that have achieved certain levels of success that other people haven't. And I would even take something a step further that you said earlier that, you know, when people are scared to put out content, like they're hurting themselves because they're not sharing that content with others. I think you're also hurting other people whose who's like lives you would impact in a positive way if they were able to hear your knowledge, your expertise, your experience, your struggles, your obstacles, your challenges. And so by you being too scared, being so selfish that you're afraid of somebody saying something about you so you're not going to share something, you're hurting a whole other host of individuals that needed to hear that and now are not going to because of your cowardice. Beautiful. You know, I can't help but bring up 10x in this conversation because for us around here, 10x goal setting really is the starting point for taking whatever that action is that feels uncomfortable or, you know, the imposter syndrome might stop you from. And so when you originally started this, did it start with some big, different, like lofty goal that you had that allowed you to start like chipping away at those pieces? Or was there a different journey for your path? My path was pretty simple. It was, I identified something in this world that did not exist that I really thought should exist. For me, I was really wanting to consume content on a daily basis that was inspiring to me. And the content that I found that was inspiring me was hearing the stories, the journeys, the obstacles, the challenges, the struggles of entrepreneurs, of businessmen, of businesswomen who are going through their lives and I was drawing so much inspiration as well as like really tactical strategic knowledge from those conversations. And I said, man, I'm driving to work every single day. You know, this is well over 10 years ago. I'm hitting the gym multiple times per week. I'm walking my dog. I'm like folding laundry. I want to have like this in my earballs literally the entire time I'm doing all these things because the more I can consume this content, the better. So I literally went on a search for that podcast that was a daily interview of successful entrepreneurs. And Natalie, the show did not exist. It just did not exist. And it, it was so weird to me. I don't know if you remember that movie. It was called Yesterday where this guy wakes up and suddenly like nobody had ever heard of the Beatles or like a band-aid, like all these weird things. And he's like, how is that even possible? Like that was my moment where I'm like, how does this not exist? And I said, 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the person that creates the first daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs because I want to hear more of those conversations. So I might as well facilitate those conversations so I can ask the questions that I was kind of wishing the hosts of the other shows that were coming out once a week or twice a month were be asking the uh, questions that they would, I wish they were asking or that they should be asking. And I just took, you know, my reins and I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire and I was a really bad podcast host. I had no experience interviewing people. I didn't have any technical broadcasting, communicating knowledge at all. But guess what? I woke up every day and I did it. And I woke up another day and then I did it. And after a couple of hundred episodes, I'm like, wow, I'm not terrible. I'm just really bad. Then after a couple of hundred more episodes, I'm like, man, I'm just bad now. Like this is getting pretty cool. And here I am 4,000 episodes later. And listen, nobody's a bigger fan of Grant Cardone than me. Like I've been friends with Grant Cardone for eight or nine years now. So I can tell this story. And, and I know that he will know if he ever hears this, that it comes from a place of love because I've told the story to him on a public stage before. So it's not like I'm just breaking this news now. But the first time that I interviewed Grant Cardone, I was like, this is 2013. You know, I'm like, Grant's coming on my show. Great book. The 10X was out there and 10X rule. And I was excited to have the conversation with him. And he was good. He was okay. You know, he was talking the talk and he was being Grant. And I was like, okay, he's 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 good. He's doing his thing. And then he invited me on his show. And it was so janky. Like he had this setup where like the lighting was terrible, the audio was terrible. He was just like, and I remember getting off that that episode being like, man, he's not, I mean, he's not gonna make it in that area of like producing a show, producing content. I'm sure he'll be successful in something because he's such a hard worker. He's not going to stop, but boom, guess what? This guy, he just woke up every day. Like I woke up every day and he just got a little bit better at doing the thing, the content, the production, the this, he hired the right people around him. And that's my evolution as well. And everybody who looks at anybody right now, anybody and says, wow, that person is great at that thing. It's because that person's gotten up 10,000 days in a row and done that thing. They're not better than you naturally than that thing, most likely. They're just 10,000 days ahead of you of putting in the work. And just to kind of end this point, I'm watching the show on Netflix right now. It just came out called Quarterback. And it's about, you know, three of the top 10 quarterbacks in the National Football League. Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Mariotta, these guys are unbelievable. And you're watching behind the scenes of them. And what are they doing? They're getting up every day. They're sore. They're aching. They're in pain. They have bruises. They have doubts. They have fears. They think they're terrible. They think they're a mess. They have the imposter syndrome, but they're getting up and they're doing the thing every single day. And it's, it's just like what I'm doing. It's just like what Grant's doing. You know, I don't know much about your story, Natalie, but I'm sure you've gone to where you are because you've gotten up and you've just done the thing every single day. So true. And most people want to know, what do I have to do to skip that part of the process? And I'm sure part of the reason that you create content is so that you can give people tools, tips, resources to make it faster than your journey was. But there's this inevitable, which is they still have to put in the work. So with putting in the work, if we could give the audience like a couple of tools for how they can put in the work, but also shorten the time frame, what would be the the one thing that you would say that you've learned out of maybe the 17 uh, success principles that you could share with the audience about just putting in the work plus this thing, 
will be helpful and beneficial to you along your path of becoming great. Well, first things first, I'll say that everybody who's hearing our voices right now is already doing one of those things that I'd recommend. You're putting in the work right now by consuming this content, by listening, by hearing, by understanding that, hey, whoever Natalie's interviewed before John and you know he's she's interviewing John right now and we're talking about some mistakes he's made in the past, some successes he's had in the past. Like you can learn from my failures so you can avoid them. You can learn from my successes so you can emulate those and you can apply it to your journey, to your story. So people are already doing that right now. So I commend them for that. But if I could say like the biggest thing and, and, and the common path to uncommon success is the name of my book because I really wanted people to understand that to get to uncommon success, it's a very, very common path. You just need to follow these 17 steps that I've seen 4,000 successful entrepreneurs follow over the course of a decade of interviewing them to have achieved massive success. Like they've followed those steps. Now, for the individuals that are listening right now, to me, it's very, very clear that there's one thing that most people cannot honestly say right now. They cannot look in the mirror and say the following sentence, which by the way, if I was asked to sum up my book, which is like 300 pages into one sentence, the sentence would be, become the number one solution to a real problem in this world. That entire sentence is very intentional. Every word is meant to be there. Become the number one solution to a real problem in this world. And probably the most important word within that sentence is the word real. Because a lot of people become the number one solution to a problem in this world, but it's not that big of a problem. People don't care. It's not that painful of a problem. So people aren't willing to pay you for that. They're not willing to invest their hard-earned money into your solution because it's 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 a problem, but it's just not that big of a deal. So a lot of people are like, oh my God, but how do you become the number one solution to a problem like e-commerce? How do I beat Amazon? Well, you're not going to beat Amazon. Why should you even try? Like that shouldn't even be your, your desire, your effort, your goal. In fact, that's why step two, which is also chapter two in my book, is discover the niche within your big idea that is not being solved. And so for me, that was podcasting, which was a big idea, niching down into business podcasting, which was a smaller idea, but still a big idea with a lot of competition, niching down to business podcasts, interviewing entrepreneurs. And back in 2012, Natalie, there were nine of them, believe it or not. And I said, well, do I want to be the 10th best podcast interviewing entrepreneurs? No. What's another niche down? Well, what about daily podcasts interviewing business entrepreneurs? There were zero. So the day that I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire, I was the best daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. I was the worst daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. I was the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. And so I won as a result because I was the only solution to what was a real problem. There weren't Everybody in the world didn't want to listen to a daily podcast, but there was a big enough audience that wanted to consume what I was looking for. 
a daily interview with successful entrepreneurs that allowed me to build a thriving business that's been rocking for 10 years. It's brought in, you know, over $30 million in revenue since that, you know, 96% of which I get to keep because I live in Puerto Rico, which is another conversation that we could talk about at some point. But the reality is this. If you can't right now look in the mirror and say, I'm the number one solution to a real problem, you are going to struggle because nobody wants the second best solution, the 10th best solution, the 37th best solution to their problem. They want the number one solution. So they will beat a path to the door of the number one solution to their problem. And they'll ignore all the other ones. So unless you want to be ignored, which a lot of entrepreneurs are, which is why it's so hard to succeed as a business entrepreneur, become the number one solution to a real problem. Doesn't I didn't say to a big problem. I said to a real problem. And there are so many people out there that are cr creating amazing solutions to micro real problems. And they're thriving, Natalie. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to duke this out with you. Or you can we like spar something? Yes, let's go. The best way to do it. So one of the things that we talk to business owners about is it is not that you are the best. It is that you are the best known. Example, Coca-Cola is not the best drink on the planet. However, it is the best known. When I think of the small businesses that we work with, some of them are the best plumber in their town. They're their be the best HVAC business owner. They're the best marketing agency for the thing that they market towards. But they so deprioritize getting known and they can't overcome that. So their business ends up going to their potential business ends up going to a competitor because they already they spend so much time in, and take so much pride in the craft of being the best that they don't spend much time on the promotion, on the marketing. So what would you say to the business owner that really has done a great job of niching down and is a great solution, but just nobody knows them and that they exist? It's a very worthy statement and something that is very worthwhile sparring over because it is a challenge. Because guess what? If it was that easy that you could, number one, just be the number one solution to a real problem, then it would it would that would be the only thing you'd have to focus on. Or if it was number two, you had to just focus on being the best known, then that would be the only thing you'd be focusing on. But it's neither or because like you said, if you're just the best solution, but nobody knows about you, like you're gonna dry it because there's no clients coming in, there's no revenue coming in the door. But if you're the best known and your services are crap, especially in this world that we live in right now, I mean, you will get reviewed you know, one star, you know, all the way down, word of mouth will be terrible. And before you know it, like you've just got a terrible reputation. So, so both soul, like, like blinders is not going to work on either strategy, which is why, like, for me, it's like, how do you create the number one solution to a real problem in this world? So you have this unbelievable opportunity and offer to give to the world. And then how do you find people like Grant Cardone, like Gary Vaynerchuk, like other amazing entrepreneurs and business minds that are out there, learn from them to actually elevate your business and your brand into the limelight. So now you have both wheels working for you where you have this amazing number one solution to a real problem. And now you're getting clients in the door who are loving you because of that. And then everything's going to kind of be this, um, like all ships rise in a high tide. And that's going to give you that high tide to allow you to succeed in that. So 
it definitely has to be a combination of the both. There's really not an either or, but I love the conversation. Beautiful. Well, I'm curious to know, you mentioned Puerto Rico and I would like to have you maybe expound upon how Puerto Rico was potentially a solution for your own life around financial freedom and the sacrifices, the thought process that you took with this financial freedom piece, plus literally moving your life to a different country. So you need to live in a place that actually rewards and appreciates and loves business and entrepreneurs. And I was living in a place that despised them. It's called California. And they said, you know what? We're going to take the people that work the hardest, that employ the most people, that bring the most revenue into the state and the most awareness, because we talk about it, because you know we talk about where we're living, of course, and all these things. And we're going to tax the crap out of them. And we're going to make them demotivated to grow, to add more revenue streams, to build a bigger team, to hire more people, to serve more people. And that was happening to me when I was living in San Diego, California. Like I was paying out 51 cents for every dollar that I was making. So I remember every single time I'd have like a $50,000 webinar in my mind, I'd be like, well, okay. Like after all my expenses, that's like 40,000. And then, you know, now I've got to cut that in half again because I'm paying taxes on that. So that $50,000 webinar was like 18, $19,000. And that just gets pretty demotivating after a while. Cause you're like, not that that's not a lot of money, but you know, we're putting so much time, energy and effort and having so much success in this. It's like, you're taking two steps forward and one and a half step back every single day, week and month. And fortunately, back in 2016, I was made aware of this unbelievable opportunity for entrepreneurs, which will never again exist in our generation for Americans specifically, which is moving to an American territory in the Caribbean called Puerto Rico. And you are paying a flat 4% corporate tax rates, no federal tax, no state tax. In addition to that, you're paying 0% capital gains on any investments. And listen, Grant Cardone's looked hard and long about Puerto Rico because he knows that there's nothing better than that, but there's certain things that you've got to uh you got to live with and you know that's one of the things. But the reality is I literally was able to move to Puerto Rico and give myself a 47% raise with a snap mm. of the fingers. I used to work for the government until June 16th of every year, because that's how long it took me to pay my tax bill every single year. Now I work for the government until January 17th, and the rest of the year, the money flows to me, to my business, to my team, to my philanthropic causes, to the investments that I want to make, to the real estate that I want to invest in. And by the way, when I sell that real estate, I'm paying 0% capital gains. When I get paid for that company that I invested in that went public, I'm paying 0% capital gains. When I sell my business, whenever that may be, I will pay 0% tax on the sale of my business, which will be an eight-figure sale. So think of the taxes I'd be paying anywhere in the continental United States. So when people say, John, like, but you live, you live in Puerto Rico. I'm like, hey, it's not for everybody. Living on a Caribbean island is not for everybody. And honestly, and I'm being genuine, there are pros and cons. It's not like Puerto Rico is this first world, perfect islands. No, there's problems here. There's obstacles, there's challenges. But for me, 
it is an unbelievable paradise of a life when it comes to running my business. And I absolutely love it. And so I tell people, listen, do not move to Puerto Rico until you are ready to keep the money you make. When you're ready to keep the money you make, then you move to Puerto Rico. Until then, somebody's got to fund the black hole of the government. And so please keep doing that. Uh, I have so many thoughts on this. I am a supporter of it. I think that it is really the entrepreneur putting back in their pocket what they deserve to be earning. And, you know, I could go down this whole rabbit hole of how the government actually inefficiently uses that 51%, especially in the state of California. But we will save the audience from from that. But I, I want to just make one point too, Natalie. Like I, I, I love the United States of America. I'm a patriot. I served as an officer in the U.S. Army for eight years. I, I spent a tour of duty in Iraq as a tank platoon leader in charge of 16 men and four tanks. So like I fought for this country. I love this country. And I feel like I've given back to the country. Like I really feel great about that. And and I've and I've paid millions and millions and millions of dollars in taxes to the United States of America. And now I'm keeping the money that I make as I as I enter my elder years. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. And um, so, so the person who can't even think with moving their life to a different country for financial gain, because they likely don't even think of financial freedom as something that's attainable for them in this lifetime, like this this concept that you described when we first kicked off the podcast, mm-hmm. financial freedom. Puerto Rico is America. It's it's an American well, territory. You don't even need a, a passport to come here. Well, I keep saying it's a different country because in my mind, it's like it's like a country, but it's not a country. It's a territory. It feels, it feels like a different country. Well, I believe that. You are not in Kansas anymore. And I can say that having lived in Kansas. for. But you are in the U.S. still. You're not in the U.S., but you, you, I get the point. You're in the U.S. Yes, you are in the U.S. technically, uh, just a a different kind of U.S. So for the person who is not thinking, the person who isn't thinking that financial freedom is accessible to them, what would your your remarks be to that person? I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that relevant to be honest. Only because nobody's listening to our our words right now that doesn't think financial freedom is is relevant for them. I mean, the people that listen to you and to Grant and to myself, they're listening because they do believe. They know it's there, and it's just they're looking to us for the path. And that's hopefully part of what this conversation is helping them do is saying it is possible. I can learn from these individuals. I can apply myself. I can put in the reps. I can do the hard work and I can make it happen. And again, at the end of the day, if you are able and willing to create the number one solution to a real problem and then learn from people like Natalie, myself, Grant, and others, how to properly market yourself so that you are um, exposed and seen to the right individuals, it's literally just a matter of time. I mean, that's just, it's an inevitable thing. When you say that, why do you think so few people actually do it then? If it's inevitable, following the steps, the steps are available, they can find you, they can find Grant, they can find all these resources. What What's the gap between somebody even listening to this, but then not actually taking that next step and doing the work and making it happen and being relentless? It honestly comes back to something that we talked about earlier. It's them hiding behind that rock of cowardice because- 
they're so concerned about what their parents are going to think if they jump out and do something that's like non-traditional. They, they worry about what their high school and college friends are going to post on Facebook or send direct messages to each other about, did you see what John's doing? And guess what? I felt those fears. I felt those doubts like so hard because you gotta understand, I went from high school like the number one athlete in my high school to an army ROTC scholarship. So right away, I'm like, I knew I was going to be spending time as an officer in the U S army to being an officer in the U S army and being a decorated war veteran to then going to law school. And then it all kind of fell apart because I was in law school and I was like, this is the worst. I'm 27 years old. I've gone along this straight and narrow traditional path that I thought was the path to follow, but I'm so unhappy. I'm so unfulfilled. I see nothing but unhappiness and misery in my future. What can I do? Which is when I started consuming content like the 10x rule rule and Gary Vaynerchuk and Tim Ferriss's four hour work week and believing there were other opportunities, but I was still so scared to let anybody know that I, I was going to drop out of law school, which I finally did and, you know, embarrass my family, which I did. They were embarrassed that I dropped out of law school because my dad's a lawyer. He had to now go and have that lunch with his lawyer friends. Oh, how's John doing in second year contracts? Um, he dropped out. And you just know what the look on their faces were at lunch. They probably felt terrible, you know, for my father, because now they're like, well, that's another, you know, son that you're going to have to take care of until he's well into his thirties and, you know, beyond and, you know, blah, blah, blah. He couldn't hack it for any reason. Like, oh, we thought John was on this trajectory, you know, to be whatever someday. And it was like, it was bad. It was scary. It was terrifying. But I just said, you know, my long-term happiness is much more important than my short-term shame. Because it was short-term shame. Like I was ashamed. I literally left Natalie, the country for four months. I went to India with a backpack and just traveled India because I knew that if I didn't want to be in touch with anybody, I could use the excuse of like, there's no internet. Of course, I could, could have accessed the internet. I just decided not to. And I just disappeared for like four months. And I just backpacked the entire country of India. Now, looking back, it was a fantastic four months. I had, I had such a wonderful time, but I did it to escape because I was ashamed of what other people were saying. Because, you know, I had just broken this perfect path that I had thought that I had created for myself. And then I knew when I came back from India, I was going to give my thoughts and hopes and aspirations a try. But it was a huge question mark if that was going to work. Now, of course, looking back, it's like, it's easy to say in hindsight, I made the right decision because, you know, I built a multi-million dollar business, you know, for 10 years running and lifestyle freedom and fulfillment. And I'm living in Puerto Rico, you know, on the Caribbean. It's amazing, but you don't know that at the time. You don't, you have no idea. So I feel for everybody that's listening right now. And I feel for those people that you're talking about, about how they're, why do so few people make it or, or really even try because that fear, that doubt, that shame is too much for them. And it was almost too much for me. And I'm telling you, if I hadn't been in war and like seen death on such a regular basis and realized how short life actually was, I probably would not have had the courage to do that. But I was able to continue to go back in perspective and say, how bad could it really be if I fail? If I fail, I'll just try again. And like, I saw what the worst of the worst could be. But for some people, they don't understand that. And so it's tough. 
You are an incredible example of what people need in different points because it's not just like you had one phase of your life where there was trouble. You've walked through multiple and now the way that you have conversations that are inspiring with other people, I would love to ensure that these listeners get to know where they can spend more time with you. So where can you point them? I know this isn't your thing, but can you talk about that this isn't your thing while still making it the thing? Because this has been incredibly valuable. I just know when I have a great conversation with somebody like yourself that, you know, my my stories, my, you know, different value ads are going to come up naturally in the conversation, which they have today. So that's just kind of, you know, who I am. I mean, my podcast is Entrepreneurs on Fire. It's a daily podcast with over 4,000 interviews of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. We've been able to amass over 150 million listens since we launched. That's right now over 2 million listens every single month. So if you want to join a lot of people listening to a lot of cool content, uh, check out Entrepreneurs on Fire. And um, my website's eofire.com. We keep things simple and free over there. And it's just been great chatting with you, Natalie. And I love what you guys are doing over there. You know, like I said, I've been really good friends with Grant and Jeremy for some time. And it's great to connect with you. Thank you for being on Building Billions. I look forward to continuing conversations. Guys, you have to listen to his podcast and look forward to hearing or talking to you on the next Building Billions episode.